welcome to another episode of The Two Old Fogey Yogis. Your hosts each week are Swami Shokananda and Reverend Pram, who between us have nearly 100 years of living la vida integral yoga. And that's what makes us Two Old Fogey Yogis. <laughs> In today's episode, we're going to delve into the real nitty-gritty of cultivating a steady and fruitful meditation practice. I'm going to grill my partner in crime on his own meditation practice, which has been going strong for 50 years. Uh, that's right, 50 years. Okay, now full disclosure, mine has not. Now, my foundational practice is integral yoga, and the mantra I receive from my guru, Swami Satchidananda, is the most precious gift I treasure. I utilize my mantra every day, and at the same time, I've been exploring some other traditions recently. So this episode is really gonna be a true master class in meditation for any level meditator. And it's not an episode you're going to want to miss. The first thing I'm going to hit Swami Ashokananda with is this. Meditation. I'm not sure I really get it. Now, let's see how he responds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, the mind is used to having its own realm and now... We want to get beyond the mind, and it really is a tricky endeavor. Yeah, and you know, what I think is like, until I really understand what the heck it is really about, why am I doing this thing? You know, what's the payoff? You know, all those kind of good things. So, so here's what I've come up with so far. And I'm looking to you as the meditation guru. Okay. Cause just tell our listeners you've been doing this right for X number of years. Tell us X number of years. How many times a day? I would say 50 years, three times a day. Oh my God. I'm bailing <laughs> right now. End of discussion. Lovely chatting with you. <laughs> this is between you and me. I don't, it doesn't feel like I made that much progress. <laughs> But uh, well, that I'm doesn't sure. bode well. I hope you're just being humble because that's not going to bode too well. I'm already done. Okay, moving on to another spiritual practice. That's, that's why I'm saying uh, this between you and me because I, I don't know if that might be too discouraging for people to hear. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think Gurdjieff has said it that, 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 you know, there's no more difficult thing in the world than to control the mind. You can do all, all sorts of different things, uh, amazing things, but to control the mind, to make the mind quiet, that is a special city. Okay, but so let me just, you know, I'm going to constantly play devil's advocate here because I was trying to get back into meditation. So I'm studying some Tibetan Buddhism. Look, I'm no Buddhist expert. What I came up with so far is they've got shamatha and vipassana, also known as vipassana. Okay, so shamatha is like you're trying to make the mind sort of peaceful you know you're just trying to basically get centered quiet things down a bit so that's where you start 
Then when you're feeling like, well, a little less turbulent, you know, where you're now being more like the witness of what's going on. So you're not trying to control the mind. You're not trying to stop, you know, what we say in yoga, the vrittis, we read in the yoga sutras, chitta vritti narodha. So we're trying to, you know, do something with those vrittis, the modifications of the mind, the waves in the mind, the movement of the mind. So we're just watching it all like a big show, you know, on a movie screen. Don't get involved, though. Don't chase after. Don't try to stop. You're just observe. So I'm thinking, well, this is like what Gurudev says about cultivating Sakshi, the witness, you know, where you're witnessing. Okay, so that's where I got in Buddhist meditation. Now I'm doing a deep dive into Advaita Vedanta. In Advaita, it's sort of the same thing. You're in meditation and... You are, yeah, again, you're cultivating this witness attitude because what what does Vedanta say? You are consciousness. That's who you are. Sat-chid-ananda. Existence or being, knowledge or truth and bliss. So that is our true nature. Okay. So... I'm sort of thinking that what you're trying to do is, well, I started out thinking what you're trying to do is have an experience of your true nature, undisturbed, without being pulled out by the vrittis, et cetera. And so that was the path I was going down. Okay, so let me see what this, who is this witness? You know, the proverbial Ramana Maharshi question, who am I? So we're saying the I is that witness consciousness, the awareness, pure awareness. So what's that like? So again, the mind starts wrestling. Okay, so what's that? You know, and tries to make awareness into this object. So now I just threw that out. Okay, because it's not that awareness is an object. That's where I'm, that's where I'm at. And that's where I'm stuck. So then what the heck are you doing in meditation? I guess I'm always looking for something to do in meditation. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so should I play the role of meditation guru? Yeah, even though, please. <laughs> even though I don't really know much, but okay. Yeah, maybe I'll start by sharing something that I experienced this morning. And, I, and you know, after I called you at six, I took a half hour walk. I was thinking about that, you know. What, what was that that I experienced this morning? So... Toward the end of meditation, I divide my meditation into three stages. So the third stage of meditation is similar to uh, uh, Atma Vashar, who am I, practice. Okay, but uh, can you tell us, what's, what's, are you going to tell us what your first two stages are as well? I, I can, but first let me share this with you. Okay. Then, then I can, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so I'm coming toward the end of my meditation, and... It helps me to feel that I'm dead. I'm physically dead. Um, I can't do it quite as well as Ramana was able to because he he felt that and he made this jump uh, right away uh, to the ultimate. I'm feeling I'm dead, but I still feel I exist as my mental body, my samskaras. 
Okay, but wait, I feel like we got to fill in a little bit of blank. So you're talking about Sri Ramana Maharshi. There's, you know, the story and confirmed apparently and all of that, that he, when he was 16, he just had this, well, what happened, I heard was, I think his father or uncle, someone who was very close to a die, there was sort of several deaths in the family. Yeah. And he, his father died earlier. He was living with his uncle. Yeah. Yeah. but he, he was obsessed with death, that's true. Yeah, and so then he's sort of thinking like, what is this whole thing? i got to get to the bottom of this. What's this whole death thing? And then was it like he just said, well, I'm going to just feel, I'm going to go through a process to feel like I'm dead. And then by his good fortune, I'm going to say his good karma maybe, he had this awakening experience when he did that. Yeah, my understanding of, uh, was a little different is that he, he, he had a very strong sense that he, he was going to die. Oh. He had a great fear. So he went home, lied on his bed, and that's when he, he accepted that he was, he was going to die. Okay, cool. So, so when, I, when I do my final part of meditation, I'm feeling that I'm, I'm dead physically, but I don't feel that I've become the self. I feel that I'm still uh, a shook. There's still a me there with my whole... Mishagas. So I try to dissolve that fellow, which means. And I how do you? Bo- but how do you do that? Are you are you doing the thing sort of like you're? Well, you're not lying down. Obviously, you're sitting in meditation posture, and then do you go through a process mentally, like you're dying, or is it something you've been just doing so long? It's kind of you just kind of slip it. Yeah, down. yeah. I'm not sure I can articulate how, how well, but. Uh, I think I can imagine physical death as best I can. But then this other real death, I don't consider physical death a a big Megillah. It's just uh, leaving some part of my external being. But I still feel that, unlike Ramana, I still feel very much this limited person with all his anxieties and things. Uh, I, I still exist in that mental realm. So what do I do there is, yeah, I just, I just throw in the thought, it's a thought, it's an imagination, that I'm extinguished. I, don't, I have no existence. So when you say no existence, your body is dead, your mind is no longer functioning, so you're not you, person, ego. I have no, no all my samskaras are gone. There's no individual anymore left. Cool. You know, like when we took sannyas, you, you were you were a swami, right? Uh, yes. For a while. So did you get? Did you have the initiation? The whole thing with the yeah. fire and yeah. Sure. So you throw those sticks in. You're throwing it. This is my body. This is my mind. This is my ego. This is my possessions. You throw all those. I think eight sticks in, and then there's no one to throw a stick in anymore. That's when the guru comes, and offers you this orange cloth to cover your body, and now you have no agenda no separate uh reason no purpose besides the whole working through you okay but let's just again give a little background so you're talking about sannyas initiation which is basically it's monkhood in the hindu tradition you enter the order of sannyas it's you become a renunciate so part of that initiation and ordination is this fire ceremony where you offer all your limited personality, your limited body-mind complex into the fire. 
And then the guru, the initiator, hands you back your new existence. Yeah, your new existence. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not, you know, it's so powerful, particularly when Gurudev did it, because it's not a ritual. You actually feel that now I can't do anything. I offered everything. There's no one to offer. Only he has to do something. So this morning when I was in that state, I felt that that I just did the sannyasana shesha, I offered everything. And now I'm waiting for what I consider the guru of the whole to give me some understanding. Are you waiting for him to give you some, like I thought when you were saying you're waiting for him to give something, I thought you were going to say marching orders. <laughs> but was, was it like you're waiting for him to give you some experience or understanding? Yeah. Or what, what, was, what yeah. was it like? Waiting is not a good word because waiting implies there's something missing now and then I'll get it when, uh, when the waiting is over. Yeah. It's, it's, it's more like, um, like sleep where there's tamasic sleep where our normal sleep where tamas overpowers us and we fall asleep. That's also very important. And then there's, it feels like sattvic sleep. You're, 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 you're dissolving into a sattvic state, and then there's nothing more you can do at that point. Anything you do will create the whole Swami Shokananda again. Mm. So waiting also doesn't feel right. It's, it's a very, I'm not in samadhi, and I'm not looking for anything. You're just hanging out. Hanging out. And I can't do it for very long. Then thoughts start to come, right. you know, worries start to come. And I keep, I keep, what I do in this stage is, it's a little hard to find the words. I feel the thought is made up of some content and some prana. If there's no content, there won't be a thought. If there's no prana, I don't think there can be a thought. It has to, yeah. prana and, and content have to combine to create a thought, a thought form what i do in this stage is i drop the content i don't care what the content is it could be the most amazing understanding it's still in the mental realm i drop the content and there's the prana and the prana acts as a solvent to this separate individual it dissolves the bubble that i've encased myself in and i just i don't do anything at that point i don't know if that makes sense if i do anything I'm creating this the membrane around the bubble. If I you mean can, wait, if you if you do something as you're doing this sort of process, is it bursting the bubble that you've created or it's creating a bubble? It's dissolving the membrane around the bubble I call Swami Shokananda. The prana itself is a solvent. Okay. I don't I, I have to drop the content and let the prana do its work of dissolving the separate illusion of the separate person. Well, that's what they say, like in Buddhism, they call it like when you when you get to the point in meditation where the thoughts arrive, arise, almost like they compare it to like you have like a bonfire. And then you know how the sparks go up into the sky with mm-hmm. the bonfire and then the sparks just they dissolve, they disintegrate on their so, own. Yeah, yeah, on <laughs> their own. So it's kind of they call it it's like it's self liberating. So it's like thoughts then start to self liberate. Is yeah. that kind of what you're talking about? I think so. It's, it's, it's a kind of a keto. I'm using my opponents. I don't like that word so much. My opponents 
energy to move everything in a good direction. So I take the thought, which is creating my individuality. It's part, it's, it's arising from individuality. I'm dropping the content and then letting that spark of it, prana dissolve Swami Shukananda. And then I can, and then I get a little taste of the real me. Mm. And is that like, when you say the taste of the real me, is it, is not a thought, it's an experience? It has to be. If it's a thought, it's still yeah. conceptual. You're still, you're still missing it. It's too gross. A thought, <laughs> yeah. a thought can't, can't get it. It has to be, like you say, it has to be where the subject can no longer become the object. It's, a, it's the ultimate subject. Yeah. Nothing can become conscious of that. That's yeah, the, that's that's the core of your consciousness. Yeah. So, what helps me? You know, you talked about having a, was a vision. What was the word you use? Uh, you have to have a the Tibetans have a a vision of what you're doing. Yeah, what the helps, view. Yeah, a the view. view. Yeah. What helps me for the view is to, I I I more and more believe that that this Swami Shukananda that I'm working with, either for sure, it's a very limited and painful existence. And two, I'm not sure that it actually exists. If that's I, what, yeah, that's what the Advaitins would say, and even the Tibetan Buddhists. They yeah. says it's all emptiness, so there's no, yeah. yeah. So that that that's enough for me to give me a view to inspire me to keep practicing. And and Prem, I don't think you can ever get to the real view of meditation unless you you dive pretty deeply into it. I don't think you can. Get it before you you get into it. It has to be the view has to be enough to get you into it, and then you start to get the view. Does so, that but make the sense? thing, yeah, it makes sense, and that's why you know I've been trying to be really steady for the past year and a half in my meditation, and then I always come smack up against something where I feel like, now wait, why am I doing this? Mm. I mean, I have lovely, I sometimes have lovely experiences, you know, very nice, you know, you call mystical experiences, I guess. And I'm thinking, okay, well, is that's the point then. And then, you know, I'm studying more. It's like, nope, not the point. Uh, Pete, you know, first is like, yeah, to be a peace, have peaceful, easy feeling. No, not the point, right? To get blissed out. Nope. Then one of my teachers will say, no, the idea, spiritual life isn't about getting blissed out. It's about waking up. Okay, so then threw that out the window. Okay, what's next? You know, it's like going through one concept after another. And yeah, I'm not just doing that intellectually. I'm doing it as I'm doing the practice. And every time I think I'm coming to, well, is this what it's about? You know, it's just boom, that kind of bubble bursts. And then... I wind up with like, why am I doing this? And I feel like unless I have the, I mean, yeah, could I force myself? Okay, every day I am going to meditate for X number of minutes, but I want it to be more organic. I want to feel like I look forward to it. I want—I mean, okay, not every day. You're not always going to be, you know, right on point, but at least to feel like, yes, this is what I want to do. I'm doing it because I, I believe in this practice and I put my whole heart into it. Uh, I don't know. I just endlessly get stuck. 
Yeah, I mean, the reason I haven't got stuck there is uh, I don't I don't give any room for the mind to decide whether I feel like meditating or not. I so it's just something know. you do every day. It's just you're not it's not a question for you. Am I going to meditate today? Is it this is your practice. You're just going to do it. And I brush my teeth. I'm pretty good at brushing my teeth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I'm going to meditate. I don't, do I feel like brushing my teeth? I don't ask myself that. I just brush my teeth. After I eat, I brush my teeth. I've, <laughs> I've been trained that way. I don't think about, you know, probably it's past lives uh, where I don't think about meditation. Uh, I'm not going to give the mind that much authority over me Yeah. to say, well, I've been doing a year and a half, and I'm still trying to figure out why I'm doing it. Uh, who cares? Just do it. Uh, (laughs) yeah but for freaking 50 years what has kept you doing has there been other things that have kept you besides like yes i'm going to brush my teeth and i'm going to meditate i think you know over time there's enough reward from it i still feel i'm stuck in my samskaric patterns listen i gotta just stop you right there because again this is not boding well for my view (laughs) i mean if you've been doing this for 50 years please you're just being humble right it's um how could you still be stuck in your whatever whatever's 50 years three times a day somebody calculate that one of our (laughs) producers needs to do the math on that (laughs) Yeah, I mean, 50 years seems like a long time for us human beings. I think, I think the spiritual life is, is, a, is a very long-term project. I think yeah. it's hard to measure in human terms. Uh, and I don't worry about that anymore. You know, I'm going to do my best to get enlightened this lifetime, but I'm not going to worry about it. That's not, almost not my business. Wow. Uh, because I, you know, I do believe that this eye that wants to get enlightened is part of the problem. You know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to do my part, and I'm going to enjoy it. I'm not going to minimally. I'm not going to resist it. And sometimes it's it's all hard. My mind is has so many things to worry about and think about, and uh, but I'm going to do my part. Sometimes the mind is more quiet, and wow. I like this. This is better than ice cream or this is like, this is really good stuff. Uh, I think, yeah, yeah. It's, it's pleasurable. Yeah. Yeah. It awakens, it awakens the pleasure center. I, I may know that it's not the goal, but yeah, it does inspire you. So, okay. oh, so that is, that does help keep you motivated though. <laughs> it does. It gives you five arguments. You know what? This is as good, at least as good as that. So <laughs> uh, I don't have to hold on to that for my source of happiness only. Yeah, I still need I still need the ice cream, uh, but I also need this because this is as good as the ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> oh I man! I just have the, I feel like they just have the ice cream. There's nothing else. You know? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that is like so amazing. Yeah, I think for me, it's like I feel like there's just so many hours in the day. There's so many things that I, you know, that I do enjoy doing. You know, karma yoga, I enjoy. Um, 
there's things just, yeah, that I need to do just every day and either self-care or just around the house or whatever I got to do. And then, you know, I have interests, hobbies. Okay. So squeezing it all in, which I guess is kind of an embarrassment of riches and in a sense that I feel grateful that I, I do feel like a lot of fullness, you know, in my life. Um, and so I'm always making decisions of how I'm going to spend my time. Like always. And I guess I just never locked into that idea like, okay, so that's doing, you know, doing a meditation practice is not something I want to just lock in every day. I mean, that seems like such a huge commitment to me when there's so many things to do. It makes sense what you're saying. For some reason, it just doesn't resonate with me unless I keep wanting to be convinced there's a really fantastic reason to do this, you know, because I'm saying, yeah, I want to wake up too fully in this lifetime. And if I heard, you know, like someone and the Tibetan Buddhists, I mean, they're heavy duty on it. They're like, you got to meditate, you know? And so I'm like, okay, okay. You know? Yeah. I'm going to do that. I mean, Gurudev was like, yeah, do these practices. And so I feel like every time I do get that, sort of push to do it because I, I, I'm looking for, yeah, do this because that is the path. That's the pathway. That's the quickest, most reliable, most effective and efficient pathway to wake up. I am not yet convinced of that for some but, crazy but, reason. Yeah. But you're, you're, what's your, it sounds like your life purpose is to wake up. Is it would you say totally? That? Yes. Okay. Okay. So you're just not clear that meditation uh, is the yeah is, is going to help you do that. I mean, I think it can help. You know, I think yes, it helps sometimes. But is it something I need to do every single day, three times a day, or even twice a day, once a day? Um, no. I do it. It's not like yeah. It's not like I have some bad experiences or anything. It's like fine. I usually say, oh, I'm going to meditate like about a half hour. I usually wind up meditating for like an hour. So it's not like, oh, I can't stand this or that. But I I still just, I just can't grok meditation. If it's not, I grok, you know, the parts like, yeah, making the mind calm. Yeah, getting familiar with your thoughts. Yeah, having some experiences. Okay, so let's get to the bottom line. Bottom line question. How the heck do you wake up in this life? Is it really, is it really, you know, as Gurudev, people would ask him often, and he would say, like the fruit right on the tree, it's got to ripen in its own time. And there's nothing, you can't stand in front of a pear and say, uh, pear, I'd like to eat you today, but you're totally green. Can you please hurry up and ripen? Right? So you can't shout at it, ripen, why don't you ripen? You can try to keep the weeds away. You can water the tree. You can try to do different things that are going to help nourish that growth. You can't force it. You can't start yanking it off the tree. Right. So is that just what the truth is that you just got to do your sadhana 
have faith in, in a path, just do it. And, and the ripening is going to happen when it's going to happen. That's my philosophy. Wow. Yeah. That, uh, I feel like, uh, I'm in a bakery. Uh, I took my ticket, my ticket number, and I'm waiting for my ticket number to be called. And while I'm waiting, I'm trying to do things that are not going to get in the way of the process. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I don't think, I don't think you need to meditate Prem. Uh, I don't, if you're not, if you're feeling not that inspired by it or um, some resistance to it, uh, maybe maybe you shouldn't even allow yourself to meditate for a while until it naturally, yours naturally comes, which I think it will. Okay, but I did try that for a while. I mean, prior, okay. yeah, prior to this year and a half, I hadn't formally. I mean, I meditate here and there, but mm-hmm. <laughs> that I didn't really do a formal meditation practice. And I'm waiting. You know, maybe I'm just like waiting for that one instruction I'm going to hear that like convinces <laughs> me that yeah, you got to do this, man. This is it, and you should do it in this way because that's gonna give you the best payoff in this waking up thing here and you know yeah i I don't think it's going to come from the outside i don't think if you're waiting for you you went into buddhism tibet buddhism (laughs) now advaita it's fine it's all it's better it's better than doing other things but (laughs) but i don't think the answer that you're looking for is going to come outside from outside that's my experience. I mean, I can. I still like to read some stuff. I don't need any more philosophy. I, I have enough philosophy in my head for this lifetime. Uh, yeah, but you, still, you love to like. You love to read the Gita. Talk about the yeah, Gita. Yeah. So uh, I do, but not because I need any more mm-hmm. under, uh, a deep philosophy to understand things. You know, I know that now whatever insight's going to come at this point is probably going to come from my own inner being. And so I stopped relying on external teachings at this point, I think. I, I, I still benefit from them, but I don't rely on them for inspiration so much anymore. God, that's beautiful. I think that's a perfect place to stop. I still will probably ply you with a million more questions about this at some point, but okay. let's maybe say... Uh, that's great for today. A lot to think about. I want yeah. to meditate on what you said. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and un- until our, yeah, wishing everyone a blessed day in life and Om Shanti. Om Shanti. Thank you, Prem. That was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and will join us again for next week's episode. Please do follow and subscribe to the podcast via SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. And for more information about everything Integral Yoga, you can go to IntegralYoga.org. Om Shanti.